Chemical Watch podcast. Unlock the full value of your compliance and product stewardship with world-leading insight and intelligence from Chemical Watch. To find out more or request a demo, visit chemicalwatch.com. Chemical Watch. Intelligence to transform product safety. Hello, this is Kate Lowe, Global Managing Editor of Chemical Watch, welcoming you to this week's news podcast hosted by members of the Chemical Watch team. The Chemical Watch news podcast is here to take you a little further behind the headlines and provide you with fresh insight into the big developments taking place in the world of chemicals management. For today's episode, I am joined from Washington, D.C. by Terry Highland, who is Managing Editor of our North America desk, and in the U.K. by Charlotte Nemick, who is the Chemical Watch News Editor. We're going to focus on two developments. Firstly, the likely re-emergence in the U.S. of long-standing debates over Tosca's preemption rules as the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency nears completion of final risk evaluations for the first 10 substances subject to review under the amended Tosca legislation. Secondly, we'll be looking at the implications of the fatal gas leak from a polymer manufacturing plant in Andhra Pradesh, Southeast India, which unleashed great suffering with 12 people dead and hundreds hospitalized. So turning first to Terry in DC. Terry, can I ask you just to tell us more about Tosca's preemption rules? Uh, why are they the cause of such great debate and concern? And why are those concerns over the rules surfacing again right now? Hi, Kate. Yeah, thanks. Well, preemption under Tosca generally prohibits U.S. states from enacting new laws or regulations on their own to restrict chemicals that EPA is acting on or has taken some sort of final action on. Now, of course, there are a number of exceptions that can apply. States can seek a waiver, for example, but in general, preemption is a potentially big deal for both industry and states. Businesses, of course, want a single national standard so they don't have to comply with 50 different requirements in all the different states. States, meanwhile, can benefit from a strong federal system that provides the protections the states want to see for their residents without them having to enact laws themselves. And why now, you asked? Well, as you had mentioned, the EPA is just a few weeks away from completing its final risk evaluations for at least most of the first 10 substances subject to review under TSCA. And once those final evaluations are complete, EPA can do a couple things. It can say it found that certain uses of a chemical pose an unreasonable risk to human health or the environment. And in that case, it'll have two years to issue a rule to manage those risks. Or the EPA can issue an order saying it found no unreasonable risks. In either case, that's considered final action by the EPA and Tosca's preemption provisions can then kick in. Now that seems straightforward enough, but it's actually fairly murky. Now, in theory, under these risk evaluations, EPA will look at all the different conditions of use of a chemical and say which ones pose a risk and which ones don't. But in reality, it's tough to evaluate the entire universe of use, uses and exposures. So take, for example, the case of trichloroethylene or TCE, which is one of the first 10 substances under review. EPA evaluated more than 50 conditions of use for that chemical, 
but it didn't make a determination about risks posed to the general population. Instead, EPA said certain uses of TCE are already well covered by other laws, like the Safe Drinking Water Act, the Clean Air Act, and that requirements under those statutes are sufficient to manage risks to the general population. So by that logic, for EPA, there was no need to review those under TSCA. Well, the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, that's a trade group that represents most all of the manufacturers of light duty vehicles made in the US, they weighed in on the EPA's draft evaluation for, top, for TCE. And they asked the agency to clarify if TSCA preemption would still apply in those cases. So basically it wants the EPA to say that relying on other statutes is the, essentially the same as if it came out and said, hey, no unreasonable risks here. And that hopefully, in the view of the Alliance, would preempt states from enacting their own laws. Okay, thanks very much, Terry. Um, before we move on, can you just t tell us, you know, what do you think will happen should a state decide to introduce chemical restrictions regarding any of the first 10 substances? Yeah, great question. Well, basically, if a state decides it needs to impose restrictions on a chemical or its uses, then industry could respond by going to court and seeking a ruling that that state action is preempted under TSCA. Now, it's important to note that this preemption only extends to chemical restrictions. So state-level action that requires reporting or monitoring the use of a chemical generally wouldn't be affected by preemption. And uh, some states have already gone ahead with their own efforts. New York, for example, has already adopted a law that reduces the permissible levels of 1,4-dioxane in cosmetics and cleansing products, and they did that despite heavy opposition from industry. And 1,4-dioxane is another of those substances with a final risk evaluation due next month. But in its draft evaluation, EPA did not include consumer uses in its scope of review. So that's things like cosmetics and, and cleaning products. So New York felt it could go ahead. And you have a number of states that aren't happy with EPA's evaluations in other, for other chemicals. Apart from New York, California has also said it's continuing to keep an eye on EPA's actions. And a spokeswoman for the Massachusetts Attorney General's Office recently told us that they don't think EPA adequately addressed the risks for a number of the first 10 chemicals, including asbestos, methylene chloride, and NMP. And they said they are, quote, evaluating their options at this point. So it's certainly possible once all the dust settles after the final evaluations come out, and either a finding of no risk is made or a risk management rule is finalized, that you could see states either suing the EPA, saying the agency hasn't sufficiently or adequately evaluated all the risks posed by a substance, or states could go ahead with their own laws, in which case you could see industry suing to stop that. Okay, thanks again, Terry. So now let's turn our attention uh, to Southeast India. Lottie, uh, can I ask you to talk us through the incident in Southeast India on the 7th of May? What happened and what are the longer term implications? Yeah, hi, thanks, Kate. So this was a really tragic accident in Southeast India last week and as you've said 12 people lost their lives and hundreds were hospitalized following a styrene gas leak at the polystyrene plant. Historically incidents like these have been the real drivers behind chemical regulation. For example after the humidifier disinfectant scandal in South Korea four years ago 
the government brought in a new Biocides Act. We've also seen two major explosions in China in recent years, and now the Chinese government is close to finalising a really comprehensive overarching chemicals act. And of course, the most well-known was in India with the Bhopal disaster. So understandably, these incidents draw enormous amounts of public outrage and scrutiny, and industry and governments have to respond to this. So what we're hearing from reporters on the ground is that the Indian government plans to make changes to two of its existing regulations. One of these deals with chemical accidents, and the other is the current main law regulating the manufacture and storage of chemicals. There aren't any timelines for this at the moment, but I understand it's likely to be quite quick. The amendments are already finalised and have been put before the Union Cabinet, which is India's supreme decision-making body. But most of the actual changes made are likely to be a result of lessons learned during the coronavirus pandemic, such as requiring companies to remove hazardous substances from a plant if they have to shut it down, or to ensure the plant is constantly monitored. It's also worth noting that India is in the process of drawing up an overarching chemicals law similar to EU REACH. This will essentially combine all of these laws into one piece of legislation and require registration of priority substances. The timeline for this is a little hazy. A final version was expected to be ready by August this year, but this is likely to be delayed by the coronavirus. Okay, thank you, Lottie. Um, we also heard the government is advising companies on how they can safely restart production at their plants following the lockdown. Um, can you tell us a little about that? Yes. Well, many plants in India shut down for 44 days. Um, the entire country went into lockdown over the coronavirus pandemic. So you've got a situation where thousands of plants across the country are sitting idle with raw materials and hazardous chemicals lying in storage and they're often unmonitored. So ahead of these revised rules, the Indian government has issued warnings to state authorities to make sure companies are really careful when restarting production at their plants to avoid things like this happening which is something to note perhaps for a lot of companies coming out of lockdown and restarting or planning to restart their plants all over the world. Okay, thank you very much, Lottie. Now that's um, all we have time for today. So thank you to Terry and Lottie for sharing their thoughts with us. And thank you to our audience for listening to today's episode. We hope you found the Chemical Watch news podcast valuable. If you would like to find out more about the topics from today's discussion, please head over to the Chemical Watch website at chemicalwatch.com. We hope you can join us again for next week's news podcast. Until then, goodbye. Unlock the full value of your compliance and product stewardship with world-leading insight and intelligence from Chemical Watch. To find out more or request a demo, visit chemicalwatch.com. Chemical Watch. Intelligence to transform product safety. The Chemical Watch Podcast.